So it's the <clears throat> final week of Advent, and uh, we we have a little friend that lives at our house that is helping our kids learn about Advent on the way. Uh, I got outvoted, you know. A lot of people lean towards Elf on a Shelf. I wanted to get a stormtrooper and have a trooper on the pooper, but. You always get outvoted on these things because you're the guy. And, uh, but our our little elf along the way has just been learning about Advent with us, and and I, I'm excited for all the shenanigans that thing's going to get into this week because uh, this week is the easiest of the Advent themes because it it's simply love and um, the the technology is different than when Jesus came uh, I can only imagine if Jesus was born this year how how differently the message of his birth would spread through the world but uh, the world itself is not much different than before he came. Uh, it's love in a world full of hate. The, you don't have to go very far to find the message of hate in our world. Uh, and, and people sometimes say that hate's too strong a word. Well, then you don't know the strength of love if you don't understand hate. And uh, we live in a world that absolutely hates the true message of Christmas. They hate it because it makes them confront the, the essence of who they are without Christ. And, and they hate it because they can't understand why God would love the world enough to let his son come be born as a baby. And, and in his day, the, the people he was born amongst didn't understand because they were looking for something completely different than who he was. They wanted a force of hate to overthrow the hate that they were living amongst. And that's why so many of them couldn't see him for who he was. Because he was the epitome of love in a world full of hate. And that's who we're called to be because we're called to be Christ. In this season of Advent, we're called to show a world full of hate the unconditional love of our Savior. Okay, so I picked this verse. This is another singing one. They're all singing ones. You might know this one. Mm-hmm. Nobody? Love one another. Do you guys know that? For love is of God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I think I know it in the King James. He who loves not knows not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. So I think that's the only way I memorize verses. Um, uh, there are a few that stick out in my mind, but this one 
is one of the singing ones, so I've got it memorized. Um, God is love. It's not just an attribute that he gives out. It's who he is. Um, and so what we receive from God is always love. She picks the singing verse, but <laughs> if, if she'd continue reading, it goes on to say, In this, the love of God was Sorry. made manifest among us. Uh, I, uh, that's kind of been the recurring theme as we've gone through Advent, is that God took the, the best parts of who He is and allowed it to manifest itself among us, a fallen and broken creation. And, and, and I like that John wrote it this way. He says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that's a nice big vocab word there. Uh, or to put it very simply, that he made him to be the perfect price for our sins. The perfect payment, the atonement, the binding peace agreement, the finishing of the contract, any way you phrase it, there was only one payment that could be made for sin, and that was Jesus. And, and I think sometimes we, we're as, as guilty as, as Nicodemus was in John chapter 3, that, that we can't wrap our brain around the love of God. That that God desired for us to be born again. If Sometimes as, as Christians, we, we don't understand that Jesus was born first. We, we love the fact that, that He died on the cross for our sins and that He was resurrected. But if you take away the 33 and a half years where He lived a perfect life without sin... 33 and a half years. Now, I'm not going to ask people how many times some of you have lived 33 and a half years. That's not fair. I've only gotten past it once. And I can tell you the countless ways that I fell short. I, I could tell you in the last 33 and a half days the countless times that I've fallen short. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And, and he lived it as an example to us that God loved us enough that he allowed us to share a life with Jesus. And he still allows us to share our life with Jesus. And, and Nicodemus didn't understand that. If you go to John chapter 3, we, we all like to jump to verse 16. But the, the discussion in the early part of John chapter 3 where 
Nicodemus, this man who had all the religious knowledge you could ask for in the day. He was well-respected, well-educated, and he couldn't understand that God's desire for us was that we would be born again. That we could know and understand the fullness of his love because we would be a new creature than who we were without him. And and when you look at that part of the story, John 3.16 and 17 make more sense. Because for God so loved the world. And the word loved there is before it ever happened. Before he ever sent Jesus here, before he ever spoke this world into existence, he knew that we would need a perfect lamb to be sacrificed for our sins. He loved us before he ever breathed breath into Adam. And before all that, he knew he would give his son. That's a crazy kind of love. I was trying somehow to explain it to the kids, and I don't even quite understand it myself, that that it's a love with no expectations. And we have so much expectations that we either take on or the world puts on us. You have to work X amount of hours or you're not worth it. You have to live in this kind of house or you're not worth it. You have to drive this kind of vehicle. You have to... Um, have this many followers on social media. You have to wear these kind of clothes. You have to, uh, your children have to behave this certain way and act this, you know, and um, so many expectations. And we say, well, I won't be accepted. I won't be, I won't be loved if I don't stack up these things. And this love that God shows us says, I loved you before you did any of that. Before any of that, I loved you, and I made a plan to bring you in. And it's just, just, it's kind of mind-boggling. I honestly think the kids probably understand it better than I do because um, they don't have some of those hang-ups that adults have. But just, that's how we're loved. And without expectation in return. Just believe it, and there's the love already ready for you. And how simple it sounds. Just believe it. Just believe. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The the world wants you to go make a name for yourself. And and, and they want you to to go and... uh, to, to spend and to invest and to work yourself to death, to, to leave a name for yourself and for generations to come to remember you by. And, and Jesus said, you don't have to do any of that. You just have to believe. And, and when you believe, you're going to live beyond generations. You're going to spend eternity with me. And, and he goes on in verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. 
I go back to what the angels told the shepherds. That the angels didn't come and say there's there's judgment coming to you. There's condemnation coming to you. There's destruction coming upon you. What did the angels say to the shepherds? Great tidings of joy and peace. And and that's what a world that's so bent on gravitating towards hate struggles with the love of God because it, it doesn't understand that. It doesn't understand that, that God is not some vengeful, wrathful God that's out to get you. God is just. And yes, He will hold people accountable for the debt they owe to sin if they don't believe in His Son. That is who He is. His word is truth. It tells you what He defines as sin. It's not that I get to make the rules. It's not that Scott gets to make the rules. God's word is an absolute standard of what God says is and is not acceptable. But God's word is also very clear that you can't be bad enough that God won't forgive you of your sins if you believe in Him and you ask. God is never going to tell you you're unworthy of my love. God is never going to tell you I can't forgive you. Because He chose to before He ever sent Jesus to this world. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that through Him it might be saved. What a, a powerful message for us as, as believers. Because we're called to go and to tell the world. One of the last things that Jesus told His disciples that is still just as true a command to us as it was to them is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To go share the good news. What is the good news? That God so loved the world. He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And the good news goes farther because He didn't send Him into the world to condemn it. He threw us a lifeline when we didn't deserve it. You know, I don't... I don't th he didn't have to do that because we already are all condemned like you were talking about. We already all blew it. We already all messed up. We already have that sin nature within us. And people feel that. And I think there's very much a contrast this time of year where they feel like here's this picture of Christmas and this beauty and hope and joy. And here I am sitting in my failure and my, my condemnation that I already feel. And so like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, those kind of things. And so there's such an opportunity to recognize that in ourselves and to speak to that in other people um, this time of year. To say, hey, you're having a tough time and you're feeling that and here's a solution. Here's a solution to that. Um, that the world by, through him might be saved. Um, that The thing that I read and that kind of spurred this morning talked about transi transactional love. 
So I receive love because I did X, X number of things, or I'm such, I'm a good person, or those kind of things. And the contrast between that and the love of Christ, that is gift love. And just given to us, just because, just because God wants to. And um, we, we want to give back, we want to like somehow match up to the love, and God says, nope, here it is. You're never going to get good enough. You're never going to be, you're never going to earn it. But I gave it already. And you already feel that condemnation, but here is the forgiveness to match it. And it's just, it's hard to put into words. You said love was easy. I thought love was the hardest one. Because <laughs> it's hard to put into words. I think we have experienced it. And if we know Jesus, we've experienced it personally. And occasionally we get these moments of feeling like, oh, yes, this person loves me no matter what. Um, but we're broken people, so we don't always love that way. And very often we've just experienced, I love you for a little while, and then you did something, and now I don't like you anymore, and I walk away. And so we've experienced so much of that kind of love that people are only capable of giving that it's, I think it's kind of hard. I think it's kind of hard. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, I was reading through the the genealogy of Joseph, and the, there's a lot of cultural implications that you have to understand. That uh, in Jewish culture, you trace your genealogy through the the males in your family, and Jesus's genealogy through Joseph is very similar to Mary's genealogy. That, that you find in Luke. Uh, but the, it's really interesting because in Joseph's genealogy, they start at history and advance forward. In Mary's genealogy listed in Luke, they go from present back to the past. And, and I looked at it and I said, you know, God, why did, why did you have them write it that way? And... And God, you know, in the gentle way, I, I think sometimes he has that bless your heart mentality with me because I, I, I'm a little <laughs> slow sometimes. So bless your heart. You know, the, the reason is, is because the, the, the exact point at which he sent Jesus was to, to show us the fullness of his love for us where we are. And if you go through that genealogy, if you go through Joseph's genealogy, there's some shady characters in there. And, and I looked at it and I thought, man, you know, uh, I thought my family tree had some, some weird branches. Anybody got those in your family tree? I mean, I've got saloon owners and horse thieves. And, and on her side, we've got Pocahontas and, and you know, <clears throat> Cowboys and Indians are, anyway, no. uh, but in, in Joseph's family tree, you, you see Rahab, who we know was a prostitute, and, and I looked at it, and I said, you know, God, why are you, why are you showing these people, you know, over and over and over, and, and the, the common ancestor between the two genealogies is Boaz, who is a kinsman redeemer, and, and God took me to that point, and he said, because 
everybody's genealogy, everybody's history changes at the birth of my son. Everybody's family genealogy, their history changes when they come into a relationship with my son. And I looked at it and I thought, if, if God could decide to trust his son to be raised by a man who had the genealogy of Joseph, who had that bent and broken genealogy just like mine. And Joseph, in case you missed this part of the story, Joseph adopted Jesus. He raised him as his own son. Joseph knew full well he was not the biological father. He didn't need Jerry Springer. You know, he didn't need Mari Povich or somebody to say he was not the biological father. He knew this. And Joseph gets to stay in the story because his broken past didn't matter. He got to do the hard thing and, and raise a child that wasn't his. And I started to look at it and I said, God, why are you bringing this kind of stuff to mind on a week when we're talking about love? And, and again, bless your heart. <laughs> Sometimes we, we lose sight of the fact that, that God doesn't concern himself with your story. He concerns himself with you. That he loves you. If you go back and look at John 3.16, for God so loved me that He gave His only Son. It doesn't matter what I did, what the world would condemn me for. I want you to understand, Joseph was widely ridiculed in his day. We don't have the record of it, but I can tell you by studying Jewish culture and history, for him to raise another man's son that came through his wife-to-be brought great shame on him and his family. And Joseph knew. Joseph knew that God loved him enough to invite him into that. And I think sometimes if, if we're real, we as Christians fail to show the world this one thing, that God is inviting them in to know what love really is. Our world will tell you what it thinks love is. Our world will try and wrap love in, in its own twisted version and identity about things. But at the end of the day, when you know God for who He is and you know God is love, and you know that God loved you enough that He sent Jesus to die on your cross. You begin to look at the world a little differently. My heart breaks for our world because they, they can't even begin to know what love is because to steal from an old country song, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And in the excitement of the season, in, in the, the, the world likes to call it the magic of Christmas, I hope we as the church are really intentional about sharing the love of Jesus 
Not, not in the beat people over the head that Christmas is about Jesus. That, that, anger, that angry tone that some Christians put out there. We'll put the Christ back in Christmas. Uh, I'll tell you, put the Christ back in being a Christian first and things will take care of themselves. That's a mean tone there, but it's a reality. We, if we would put the love of Christ in every moment of our day, if we would treat people with the love of Christ and tell them the truth, that, hey man, I see you're having a rough day. Can I talk to you? Can I listen to you? Let them tell you their troubles. Let them tell you their hurts. Jesus lets you do that. You're not there to judge them. And I can honestly tell you, I don't care what you've done. If, if you're a person who randomly stumbles upon it and you stayed this long into the, the live stream or the playback, I don't care what you've done. Jesus loves you. Jesus came as a baby in a manger for you. He lived that perfect life for you. He died on the cross for you because He loved you. And He loved you so much that He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave so that He could spend eternity loving you. And all you have to do is believe. That might be why I think it's simple. It's, I'll be fair to my bride, that getting to that knowledge is not always simple. You have to dig through a lot of dirt to find the gold. Coincidentally, you have to dig through a lot of dirt to find a good golf game. <laughs> or in this part of the country, to get a good wheat crop to grow. <laughs> but you got to have a lot of rain too. But this week... We know the weather is going to turn bitterly cold. And for every time you feel the sting of cold, make yourself just stop in it for a second and take a deep breath and feel the warmth of God's love. Because it's the season of Christmas, but for Christians, every season is the season of love. Because... For God so loved us. Heavenly Father, thank you for today.